0: If you enjoy listening to podcasts, it's a good bet you probably enjoy listening to audiobooks as well. Have you tried Audible? There are literally thousands of audiobooks and podcasts on Audible with new titles being added every week. So here's the good news. You can try out Audible Premium or Audible Plus free for 30 days. You can listen anywhere, anytime, when commuting, exercising, running errands, or while doing housework. Check out the links in the show notes to access your free trial today. Welcome to the Communication 24 7 podcast, where we communicate about how we communicate. I'm your host, Jennifer Furlong. The CDC's Autism and Developmental Disabilities Network reports that one in every 54 children in the United States has been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. I had no idea that that number would be so high. Um, According to the study in the Brain Sciences Journal, parents of children with autism, and specifically mothers, which again, Why I'm talking to a warrior mom today. They often experience a poor quality of life due to higher levels of stress, anxiety, depression. They often experience increased parental fatigue, negative impacts on their social life, and they have increased vulnerability to severe diseases such as cancer. So, there are a lot of challenges that are presented when you are a parent of a child with autism. so the things that I'm hoping to explore in today's <laughs> episode, you know, families living with autism, what do they do to ensure that they can remain healthy and happy? And what are some tools for communication uh, that we could possibly, you know, talk about, you know, in and, our and some communication forms better than others. And so Gina Uricchio, we have her in the studio today. Um, I am so excited. Uh, Gina, thank you so much for being with us. Thank
1: you. I'm so happy to have this conversation.
0: So we can start off. Would you mind telling everybody Mm -hmm. a little bit about yourself and why is it that this is a topic so close to you and your family and, you know, why uh, you're doing what you're doing now, you know, in connection of, of autism awareness?
1: Sure. Um, I live in Connecticut with my family and uh, my husband and I, um, you know, just, regular young couple just wanted to start a family as you know most young couples you know have the desire to do so and John and I had our first child um, her name is Allie and she was born and we had the you know we did the usual we bought all the right things went to all the you know right classes sort of read the books um had the baby shower had a healthy pregnancy um very physically fit just um very mindful all good and we had Allie, and we we brought her home and we watched baby tv we were in awe that we were in charge of such a a, a life and how we were going to go forward and um we named her Alexandra, but um, right away she became Allie because of the show Allie McBeal. Okay. Where <laughs> I just I just loved it because, you know, she's just, Allie McBeal had this quirky side about her, not knowing that she would really become quirky enough to, mm-hmm. you know, in her own personal mm-hmm. way. Um, mm-hmm. And that quirk would eventually be described in a diagnosis. Like, But um, as Allie began to kind of have, um, um, you know, just reach general milestones, even gaze aversion, how she looked at me, um, nonverbal gestures became my first um, warning for her. Mm-hmm. And so she was a very quiet baby and she didn't look for me often. And uh, this was our first child, so we just were like, oh, maybe she's quiet, maybe she's this, maybe she's that. Then came the stages where she would be looking for me, maybe reaching up or waving bye-bye, the nonverbal gestures, the pointing, which, as we know, Jen, are so important in mm-hmm. nonverbal communication That's and right. how how we use communication. As a student of communication, I always know that, but um, body language, it all, emotions answering to her name. And that wasn't happening. So again, it was uh, a red flag for me, the mother, but uh, everyone around me lovingly, lovingly put it off saying that she was fine. Then it went towards, you know, her nine month, her words, everything that was coming soon. She'll be playing pretend kitchen. She'll want to do your hair. She'll want to play with dolls. And over the period of time that just never happened. She developed a few words and um, she was a very quiet baby. And we just, um, you know, I had all these warnings and I kept bringing them to my pediatrician and the office I should say. And they just were dismissive about it till about 15 months when I finally went in there and I said, you know, I don't, I was pregnant with my son. I just became pregnant with my son and I said, look, you know, I've got another baby on the way. I really believe that there's stuff going on here. We need to really look at this. I actually took, like I I remember going into the back of what to expect when you're expecting, cause there's really, well, first of all, the internet was just coming about. So if you wanted information on autism, you had to go to like your library or encyclopedia and look it up. So I went to the back of the what to expect and I said, could it be, could it be this? What is this really? You know, we all knew just Rain Man, really.
0: You're right. You know, uh, yes. I mean, yeah.
1: nobody, you know, was which was done, and there are certainly similarities there, but of course, that was a male, she was a female, and I spoke with my mother privately about it, and she was like, Do you, what does that mean? Like, are you sure? And then I brought it forth to the family and kind of tried to figure out and navigate how we were going to my husband and I address this situation. And immediately through the state of Connecticut, we called on birth to three and mm. that's where they can come into the house and assess your child. So i would encourage any, any family that's having any, any doubts, and especially mm-hmm. any mother that has any any doubts of what's going on with their kids as far as speech and um, physical therapy or movement or any of those cognitive milestones. We called on Bursa 3 and they came in with um, developmental um, teachers and occupational therapists and speech therapists. And we were immediately um, overwhelmed but we started assessments. But back then, you couldn't even get an assessment with a real developmental pediatrician unless you got a referral, not to mention a real complete diagnosis from uh, a psychological evaluation, which would take years, which came mm-hmm. out of our pockets. So by the time she was four years old, she was diagnosed. She was diagnosed at two, um, two with by developmental pediatrician with um, moderate autism. And then she was fully, fully diagnosed with by psychologist um, when she was four years old, with a moderate being moderately affected by autism. And so there were many, many, many discussions, a lot of out of pocket money, 1000s of dollars that just went into those appointments alone. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, those appointments were recommendations of what we had to do, which are laundry lists of things, which became completely overwhelming to this young couple who was pregnant with their second child, who had a daughter now that wasn't even answering to her name after we had ruled out like her hearing and all those things. Right. And. We began the trail of taking in recommendations and we began um, Allie's journey truly with our family um, on how to learn to become an advocate, learn to keep her safe, learn to keep ourselves safe, explain and always be the messenger to our families on what was going on. Being out there in society and being held by society, which at that time, there was no being held in society. It was, you know, people weren't really talking about autism like they are now.
0: There are a couple of things that you, you said that I would like to pick up on. I think other parents out there would really appreciate hearing more about one of the things that you had mentioned you know with Ali being 24 now so yeah i mean 24 mm-hmm. years ago absolutely the amount of information that parents today are able to just google you know is is so completely mm-hmm. different to what it was 24 years ago you know i i have a daughter who is you know my son and my daughter are in that age range as well my son just turned 26 and my daughter is about to turn 25. So I know what you mean by there's, you know, there are limited books, you know, you go to the library to learn about becoming a parent. I can't imagine how incredibly frustrating and alone you must have felt without having information readily accessible to you. I do wonder because at least you had that background in communication. I believe you You have your master's in communication, mm-hmm. right? I do. So I do. I'm, I'm sure you as the, the communication person, you had all of your own things going on in your mind about communication and milestones and things mm-hmm. that should be happening by now. How, what was that like for you emotionally? Because I think Parents, even though they have so much more information that is readily accessible at their fingertips, from what I understand, it can still be an incredibly lonely and scary journey when you're wondering, you have these questions and you know, what that must do to you as a parent emotionally. So would you mind saying something a little bit about that? Like your, your emotional journey and how, how did you get through the self doubt and the, I'm sure you must've beat yourself up, you know, at some point trying to figure out what is it that I'm not doing or, or should I be doing, you know, all of those questions that went through your mind.
1: Yeah. And let me say that, um, you know, we, I work with it every day still, you know, Mm. I mean, it, it, is, it is a practice of uh, letting go over and over. Parents have to do that with their children all the time. But finding out and being emotional, the emotional state of having the diagnosis. One thing that I have to say is intuitively I knew. So mm-hmm. when we got to these milestones of when we had finally reached the developmental pediatrician diagnosis and we had finally got to the psychological end of things. I knew and I was I was holding space for the rest of the like I held space for my fa- my husband at the developmental mm-hmm. pediatrician because he had not yet arrived. He knew but to hear it from a doctor's, you know, your their voice to your ears. I had I had kind of worked out some things of about this journey that was going to be completely Different. In the meantime, I'm protecting because I'm pregnant with my second child. So I'm my son. So, which actually is a blessing because I don't even know if I would have had my son Johnny if I had known more. He is the perfect fit <laughs> for our family. And he he was especially made to be Ali's brother. So, but I had to one thing that is for sure is I had to take care of myself because I was pregnant. But secondly, mm-hmm. I was into uh, intuitively had to follow and just kind of, you know, just dial with the, the phone and look up, you know, the and call into the doctor and say, say my truth of what, even mm-hmm. though I kept getting pushed away and, and feeling alone was a real um, place where I started my, I would say more of a stronger, I've always had a very spiritual deep side to my personality, but I didn't access it as much as I could have, um, or I had kind of put it to the side to just be in my twenties, so to speak um, Mm -hmm. and be free because we're always seeking that freedom and, um, non-constricted, but I had to really lean onto that, that side of myself, which I would say now I've, I've, I strengthen daily by practicing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mindfulness, meditation, um, yoga, the entire, uh, you know, prayer, uh, the entire gamut. Um, so I, I had to lean on that a lot for myself because I was the messenger. I was the leader. I was the go-to person. Yeah. And then my husband was feverishly trying to make a, I mean, we're a young couple, so he's feverishly trying to make a living, you know, just make it so we could have everything that we could have that we would need to pay for because everything was out of pocket you know oh you're gonna need a playscape even you're gonna need this you know how about a ball pit (laughs) you know a tent you know you just maybe a therapy swing and and every time you're hearing something
0: new it's like cha-ching 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 you can just hear the money you know just going out the window wow wow yeah so
1: um So, you know, he was definitely, but we, 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 we divided, you know, we, as a team, we've always had to divide and conquer, you know, because um, that, that was the way it was. I mean, I was freelancing at home. I was doing a little bit of work here and there. Um, Luckily I was able to kind of do that stuff, but the focus as she entered school and as we started to get IEPs and learn about the school system. It became a full-time job,
0: mm. and then to
1: you know to your point, I would say twenty-five years in getting an education—something that, let's just say, it's not that I didn't want it, but let's just say I didn't expect to get a, an education like this in right. autism, um, yeah. with you know, I, I you know what you resist persists. <laughs> so <laughs> basically you know, I'd be, I, I even was like, oh, they're asking me, you know, they're asking me to learn about this and speech and, you know, constipation and potty training. And then they're telling me and my husband, she'll never do this. And she'll never do that. And she'll never play with dolls. And she'll never probably have any friends. And, Mm. you know that's a lot and
0: that's of, hard um, to hear that's hard yeah. to hear as a as a mother
1: it's a lot of grief mm-hmm. it's a lot of mm-hmm. grief and it's a lot of heaviness and so you know my quest always was i guess there's this there's a piece of myself too that it was like how do i stay light in mm. all of this and be light and 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 feel not let the heavy, heavy burden take over a parent, uh, a parenting path that involves so much caregiving mm-hmm. even till this day. Um, and, you know, it shows up in different ways as adults right. than, you know, a baby or a toddler or an eighth grader. But um, how, how do I stay light? How do I keep that version or that piece of myself that is Gina without right. disappearing into a motherhood that involves so much caregiving. Right. Because I had my son <laughs> and yeah, I am, you know, not only that, I am a wife, a mother, a sister, a friend. Um you you know, you touched on it, you know, so well in the introduction about a mother's health, a uh, mother's um, marriages, friendships, um, you know, socializing with families—you know what other typical families do. You know, um, it's all been addressed here. <laughs> it's, yeah. all been it's all been experienced. It's all been—it's all been um, places where we've had to say no. Places where we've had to leave. Places where John and I have had to go separately. Um, mm. I've had my health um, journey as well with, uh, being diagnosed with breast cancer Mm -hmm. in, um, um, 2013, where I, when I got the call, I was like, um, I can't die. And then I realized even then, so Allie was probably like 14 then, even then even 14 years into it, I was yelling, I can't die. And then I hang up and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going to die someday. (laughs) Mm. Maybe I knew I wasn't going to die from that. Right. But someday. But I was like, someday. So, you know, again, opens another road, another journey of perspective. And how do we look at this and caring for adults with, you know, these children who there are many mm-hmm. now, you said the statistic, how it's changed since Allie mm-hmm. was diagnosed. She was one in, um, I think it was 250 yeah.
0: and it was mostly
1: boys. And mm-hmm. now all those kids are 24, 25 coming mm-hmm. up to be adults. And how how are we as a collective caregiving, how are we taking care of these mothers? How are we taking care of these marriages? How are we taking care of the typical child in the family that eventually, it, you know, it isn't talked about, but okay. is ultimately the will be the caregiver after the parents are gone.
0: Right. They're really, yes. really hard
1: conversations and um, really difficult conversations. And they're sad, mm-hmm. you know, because society, as I'm finding out, for a, an autistic adult, uh, or an adult with special needs, I should say, mm-hmm. all encompassing the umbrella. We know the mental health issue in our country, but, you know, where are, we, where are these people going to, who's taking care of them? You know, because mm-hmm. I'm here when Allie gets home at two o'clock, or if she doesn't go to program, or it was shut down, by the way, during COVID, yeah. you know, which, which leads to... Um, an adult with autism is different than an adult, a a young girl with autism, yeah, because now she has become a beautiful, beautiful adult with likes and dislikes.
0: Mm. She
1: does know how she's perceived, but she also relies a lot on some time and freedom for herself, Mm -hmm. and she needs it because when she goes out into the world, the world. Like you and me, we found this mm-hmm. out can be very overwhelming. but yes. she's contracting sensory, she's contacting you know speech, she's hearing multiple sounds. she's experiencing sensory as far as smells. She's giving her best self, shining her light. but it's exa- it's a lot for her to mm-hmm. communicate to try to volunteer, to participate, to be happy (laughs) out there in the world, grocery shopping and things like that. So she needs a lot of time when she comes home to to just break it all down. Similarly, when you hear, you know, when you talk to friends, they're like, I need like an hour before I can talk to my spouse before (laughs) we we get the door. Or or I need, you know, at least 10 minutes, somebody just, you know. Let me decompress. Yeah, <laughs> she needs like eight hours of de- so she'll be out in the world for four and in, you know, decompressing and we begin to give her that freedom because I then I can get freedom because mm. when she is little, it's like, do, 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 never stop mm-hmm. teaching, get on the floor, get here. And you, you feared when she was left alone to her own devices, she would disappear and go into her own world and just have yeah. that blank face where you just stared at her and she wouldn't say anything. Mm. And you're so afraid that that's going to happen that you, you almost put in too much, you know? Yeah. So you learn as a parent, as you go, again, intuitively, my practice has been it doesn't matter if five kids at school like to go here, there, that, and like Taylor Swift concerts and love, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. Allie likes it this way.
0: Yeah. And everything
1: yeah. that Allie liked in turn so funny. It works well for me. Okay, it's what I yeah. need to. And when I need something else, if I need more connection or socialization, I need to speak, speak up and reach out. Mm-hmm. So the loneliness doesn't, doesn't come and and cover me up, you know, that takes bravery and that takes, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that we practice on the yoga mat, you know, it's warrior poses, of course, um, sitting still in Sukhasana, the the mindfulness of just being with yourself and Mm -hmm. being with your thoughts and letting them go to standing in a a warrior pose and being like, I've got to soften, but I want to get strong, but I don't want to become hard. And I don't want to like pull my inner thigh (laughs) muscle in this posture. And how do I connect with myself and learn how to come back to my body? And how do I do that when I'm not even on this mat? taking on these poses in, in my real life. So that's how I came up with the, um, my business name, Mother Asana, because I, I compared it to, I was sitting with Allie with presence and purpose and Mm. whether it would be for that one minute connection, or if if I get her for five minutes, and sometimes I'm lucky enough to get her for 15, you know, where she's, giving me eye contact and we're sitting together Uh, it's it's a win-win situation we're connecting I get what I need it may not be speech and conversation but it's it's maybe doing some parallel type things Mm -hmm. where she's sitting on her phone and I'm sitting on my phone but we're like both on our phones and there's some you know and I may have like a little something on the table and I'll push it near and then she'll push it back. And we just begin to have this little dyad of something going right. on where, um, we're connecting. And I think that's the cornerstone of, you know, mother Asana is sitting with presence and purpose and this pair parenting, caregiving, fatherhood, brotherhood, sisterhood, life style is all through connection being the highest pose we can ever hold in this lifestyle in this world and how how do we do that and how do we take care of ourselves and take care of each other in the family and still have i guess a quote unquote normal sort of second half of life with that maybe not an empty nest but having pieces of a nest you know that are beautifully brought together just as a bird Mm -hmm. would make a nest
0: right you know
1: how does it look here so how do we all get freedom how does my son get freedom how does John and I as a couple get freedom how does Gina get freedom Mm -hmm. um how do how does Allie receive freedom and really you know freedom in a house that houses autism with all that constrictedness. And all that OCD and all the ADD and all the, you know, not, you know, the silence from the non speech.
0: So incredibly challenging. And that's why, you know, I wanted to have you on the show to do this episode because I know that there are so many families out there, so many mothers out there who will listen to this and mm. they are going to be able to connect so well with everything that you are saying. I want to go back just a little bit when we talk about the communication between couples mm-hmm. you know who are who are parents of of children with special needs um and then you talked a little bit about the communication that needs to happen you know with your son so with anybody else you know who has other children you know in the family what does that look like for you and your family? Do you specifically set aside time where you focus on checking in and what's going on with you? And, you know, uh, how do you make sure that you're maintaining that strong connection while remaining open for the other person to feel like they can? bring up issues as they come? You know, how how do you maintain that mm. type of an environment for everyone in the family?
1: Well, I, I would say I, I'm the best.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I would say that I am the best um, example of that mm-hmm. <laughs> because I I am the one who probably speaks up first because mm. I mm. feel it the most. Mm-hmm. So it's that sort of put upon energy of being the the touchstone in the mm-hmm. house of of everything that Allie does mm-hmm. and um, is doing. I'm I'm in charge of. So I almost liken it to believe it or not. It's almost like a marriage between mm-hmm. me and Allie. In Mm -hmm. a a mini marriage, and then Mm -hmm. there's my marriage, and then there's the family,
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. and so you you start building, you know, these conversations, you know, and sometimes they just come out as overwhelm. Yeah, you know, I just can't. I'm I'm missing things. I'm not tracking things. um, You know, we're not. We're you know, so it may just come up as a feeling of. Of course we all feel it. you know, you go on Facebook, mm-hmm. you go here, you go there, you're like, well, is everybody hanging out without me? right yeah, you yeah. know <laughs> yeah. So um, Mindy Kaling's book there, you know, so funny, but like yeah, everyone is hanging out without you. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah you can't really do what they're doing because you know, you could go to a concert, but if your kid doesn't sleep through the night, you need to be home at like you know ten o'clock. Well, you know I need nine hours of sleep. You know in order I know what I need to wake up the right. next day. You know, and so you're saying you're starting to realize like what's important for your body as mm. opposed to what's important for showing up. So your connections again with friendships and and um, socialization become very specific to what fills you up not what empties you Uh and so i think that that's always been the practice in the house um for my son as well is you know if it doesn't make you feel good Mm -hmm. you know i always use the 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 example of, you know, it's kind of like food. Like, if you don't like that type of food, you don't go eat it the next day. Right. Or if it makes you sick to your stomach. Right. Yeah. I don't, you know, and that's more when he was young. And so he was able to, you know, have his own life and navigate, you know, and have his friends and, have he's naturally quiet as well more of a participant i would say an observer participant so okay. he's got a keen sense of intuition and actually knows how to use it very well um yeah you know mm-hmm. he could be criticized you know by using it too much as anybody <laughs> with mm-hmm. an intuitive mm-hmm. sense could be um because you got to get out there in the world you know but um right. but you know obviously our our um our system the way we socialize has evolved so much since yeah the way he was you know since he was born um my husband i would say um always had a career that gave him um the chance to be himself and be out there so okay. he would have the socialization and the gratification of the the socializing that we that we crave as mm-hmm. um, adults, as humans, where autistic individuals do not essentially, Allie essentially doesn't cra- crave conversation. She mm-hmm. craves connection, which is why I talk about it so much in our our book and on yeah. Mother because connection yeah. is really the cornerstone but she doesn't cr- create. And so how will she connect the dots with you is always out mm-hmm. of the box where you better be pretty mindful or you're going to miss it. For instance, yeah. on the day of my son's college graduation, which was a big, mm-hmm. big deal in our house because here we have this kid, right? Who now is graduating and that's a big accomplishment for this. Yeah. Family, yeah. You know, and she wasn't going to go up to him and be like congratulations johnny you know so she was she put on a quinnipiac t-shirt that mm-hmm. said you know quinnipiac two, he went to quinnipiac university 2022 and she like wore her on the house the whole week of grad and the graduation day she came down wearing a shirt and she was like walking around very proud but that was her way Of showing us that she's like, I know what's going on, but she's not sitting down like, okay, mom, should we, you know, get cupcakes or, you know, should we decorate the table this way? It doesn't come in that way. You know, the conversation doesn't come in that way. Hence, you need to have a lot of time to listen, you know, which is part, you know, part of the practice or be that like, as Johnny is the observer. You know,
0: I am so glad, yeah, that you shared that story because that is such an important piece. You know, one of the things that I was going to ask you about was um, you talked about the differences. There's a difference between how we might want someone to communicate with us, and that may be the way we feel we're making a connection. But that may not necessarily be the way that Allie would. Mm -hmm be in tune or or feel connected with you. So as a parent, to be willing to observe and listen and think in terms of, okay, I might crave that, that type of communication, that type of conversation so we can talk about these things. So how... How do you communicate most effectively with Allie, yeah. or is it more of a you really do have to just focus on in the moment what she is doing and how she's expressing herself, and then you just have to be able to adapt to that?
1: Well, I love what you said in the moment because essentially mm-hmm. that's what we have, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we we only have this moment, and mm-hmm. that's one of the best ways to quell the fears. Okay. Um. And the and the anxiety that comes along with with all of this, you know, or the umbrella of um the entire caring for you know another person as far as you know caring for two bodies. I mean, you know, it's like she needs deodorant, I need deodorant. She needs shave her legs, I need shave legs. (laughs) You know, so it's like she she needs to wash her hair. You know, so. I do approach her. I give her a lot of freedom. And I think it's just stemmed from both of us being who we are. And that's why we're perfectly right. made for each other. And it's okay. like, she's kind of a soulmate to me. So if I could just begin, and I think if parents can begin to look at that again, not being married yeah. to your child, but having this sort of really soulful relationship of connection. And, yeah. and my husband too, I mean, he, he has it with her as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, right. you have to access it. So right. when you stay surface and you just stay hard on what, what it's supposed to be or how it's supposed to look,
0: mm-hmm. then
1: you become constricted and your right. peripheral vision, you lose it. You lose your yeah. vision because you, you aren't giving yourself the freedom to kind of flow and bend and be, yeah. be loose. To just go in and say it's okay, and so I'm going in to talk to her or to be with her, and she's like, her line is "Mommy, walk, please."
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: She's more or less like, "Okay, I don't need you here."
0: Right, it's her oh. very
1: polite <laughs> way of saying
0: saying you, you can the uh, door. take or, a walk. or yeah. She'll <laughs>
1: say, the door. yeah, yeah, but yeah. mommy walk yeah. please. So you know she's she hears me coming when i come up the stairs to kind of be like Mm. hey what's going on Uh what are you doing and but really don't go in with a lot of um strong laughter or um words or a loud voice it's very soft i i kind of go in with um she likes scratching hand scratching so more tactile like going in scratching her hands Maybe going in and patting, getting on top of her head, like giving her some deep pressure on her head, or just kind of pushing mm-hmm. at her feet. Or um sometimes I'll like, you know, clean up her room and then leave like a little book out that we haven't talked about in a while, and I'll be like, "Isn't it funny?" You know, like it. Like if summer's coming and it's a book about summer, or I'm anticipating um a discussion about snow. You know, yeah, like I yeah. heard it was going to snow. I'll, I'll like put a book on her bed and then I'll like see what she does with it. And whether she wings it <laughs>
0: across yeah, or
1: yeah. like, what is this? I don't care about this. And I'll be like, mm, and I'll look out the window. I think <laughs> it's going to snow, you know? Oh, the book is on snow. And right. then I sort of like circle in, you know, and I'm okay. like, wow, it might, you know, Probably gonna start winter's coming. Wow. Oh, you know, what Christmas. We're gonna start seeing things in the stores, you know. And so I'm building her program in her life that way, which is another reason I wrote the book through the seasons. Because mm-hmm. the seasons and and it just goes through the seasons of our life and how every, mm-hmm. you know, we all know becoming a mother and being a mother, it was like. Well, age 13 was definitely different than age 14 summer. And then when the summer they first learned to drive and the summer they went away to school, every season changes. Every season in your life is different. How, And I find that it's not so overwhelming that way. So we look at the season, we can bring in a curriculum. We can talk about things what happens in our world, what happens with, when we change seasons, and then how we don't like certain seasons or how things frustrate us about change. And that's how we really talk about it as a family, you know, as well, mm. just kind of, I would say, through the seasons, more or less, that way, we're not biting off as much like my husband, I'll say, well, we'll really need to work on this this fall. But you know what? Let's just wait till next summer to try that, you know, airplane ride to the to the where, where, wherever or we we'll right. road trip or maybe, you know, trying to do this or that. Let's just see what she's ready for instead of yeah. saying we've got to get this done. I
0: love that you just said that because I think that's an important, you know, what is she ready for? We actually have a couple of uh, yeah. comments coming in uh, from our YouTube channel. Uh, Good morning. Do you have any tips for communicating with autistic twins? And unfortunately it got cut off the rest of it quite different too. And then we can't see the yeah. rest of it, but communicating with autistic twins Um, wow. I imagine that would be challenging because you're still talking about two completely different individuals at this point. Like I think to your point, you know, when you're talking about getting to know Allie and what are her likes and what are her dislikes and being able to anticipate, you know, what's the best way to approach different topics and how to communicate effectively. I imagine if she were a twin, now you have double it. Now, you know, you, you can't assume that they're going to have all of the exact same likes oh, and Oh, I would imagine
1: they would yep. be the exact opposite. Like, Probably. start <laughs> to put that out there like this one likes Mac. Well, you know, and funny thing is, you know, I didn't have autistic twins, but my kids are 22 months apart. So there was mm-hmm. a time where, you know, Allie couldn't even when my son was learning to eat his oatmeal mm-hmm. and she's sensory wise couldn't even look at his face with oatmeal mm. on it okay. she yeah. would just freak out so mm. I had this um old-fashioned kitchen where I would you know had Johnny in the hall like the dining room hallway and I would have Allie in the kitchen table here yeah the wall and I would feed him it so I could do both things oh so wow <laughs> okay. oatmeal so she wouldn't see him i mean he really loved oatmeal okay but right. you know or anything, and she wouldn't gag right. because i was i was do, again i'm doing all this by myself right right and um but i would say to that mom first of all um you're certainly not alone um i would say that um to be patient with yourself and i would say to give to give the three of you as much freedom and space as possible. I find that the space and the freedom (laughs) first brings um, a beautiful um, foundation to how to begin, you know, because Mm -hmm. everybody's energy is more still. And I find the autistic individual really, really relies on that safety. I think parallel play is probably one of the better ideas. And I would say communicating without a lot of noise and language, whether you're doing it in a parallel floor time where maybe you're the mediator, but there have maybe one has a different activity and one has, uh, you know, two different activities where they could overlap or you could mm-hmm. switch and allow the kind of organic process to to, you know, kind of come together and allow communication to be, you know, where their strengths are, you know, which is, mm. you know, perhaps, you know, Allie always liked writing things down. Oh, we always had scraps of paper everywhere in the beginning, you know, oh. we were like when she learned to write and stuff. So it's like, leave it here or don't leave it here. You mm-hmm. know, or you do you want this mac and cheese or take it? Here's where we're going to go. This is what we're going to do and checking it off. Um. Happy or or sad and drawing, you know. So I always, I feel like that's another great way to communicate with with, um, you know, double the I would say the work as a mom mm-hmm. is just uh, giving them power. Of course, you can always use the little peck symbols and things like that. But I always found, especially when Allie's acting out, when I give her power and I can say, "Here, Allie, do it." It takes her out of, oh, I'm, I was busy screaming about why well, I don't want to do this. And now I've got to think and I've got to say, I don't want to, but I can write, yeah. I don't want to. So then she's writing and she's getting some input. And then yeah. she's like, I don't like that. Or yeah. yes, I, I want to. And so she has to bring it, she has to line everything up and think what she's capable of doing it gives her power and then okay no no we're done yeah but we won because I don't want to say we win but we win as the parent cuz we 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 connected now with your typical child you may say or I, you know we need another word for that typical child but but that typical <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> child we may say well, my son's not going to have some five-hour conversation about me, but I know my sister's going to have a good two-hour conversation with her daughter and of the back and forth. But, and that's connection. And that's, that's very fulfilling, but mm-hmm. I feel like the way to address the loneliness and the connection and, and how, you know, the closeness is really saying like, you know, I did connect with her today. It might've only been one minute, but you know what? I was grateful and thankful that she worked with me worked through that and the other parts of the day I may be statuesque with her but uh, you know just sort of bringing her food dropping off food doing whatever and then so I uh, packets of the day and just picking and choosing you know how am I gonna connect and how's it gonna fulfill me um, as well as fulfill her so we can grow with this Mm -hmm. you know and I guess it's like it's become a practice. It's like leave the book on the bed or um that you know, when we give her a shower or talking about things that she doesn't want to talk about. Wait, maybe when she's in the shower because she's gonna she's concentrating on water, but she's hearing me. Cause you're forgetting, not you, but people forget that she knows what's going on. Yeah. She knew when I when I had my my the breast cancer, she knew that. Mm-hmm there was something going on with that yeah. woman who is always in my face. And now she's upstairs right. <laughs> and right. she is not coming down to mm. like, be like, would, you know, put deodorant on and do all this stuff. Right? You
0: know? It does sound like there's a, you know, you really do have to be forgiving of yourself. And earlier, you know, like we said, being in the moment, but tuning in to, you know, um, this, this parent who says uh, they have twins, uh, learning, just kind of being in tune and learning what is going to be their pref- preferred way, you know, of communicating and, and giving you messages and letting you know what's going on. And someone else on Facebook, yeah, um, says that my son is autistic and it has been a very interesting journey. I'm sure yeah. that statement is something that most parents would probably agree with, an interesting journey. Let's switch gears here. I know that you have a new book that was mm-hmm. just published. Can you take us through
1: the, the book? What is What was the mm-hmm.
0: goal for publishing this book? This is a
1: family uh, journal and a keepsake uh, something that you can use throughout the seasons of your life. Yeah. And so it's spiral bound. It has places to doodle and draw and create connection. Mm-hmm. And I came up with this product, I guess I want to say, because I needed a way and I wanted a way to hold the connections and the mm-hmm. time. Which you know, I just have described a couple to you, Mm -hmm. but to keep them in my memory and and with my son, how usually it happens with us, we begin in a safe place where we're living, Mm
0: -hmm. which could
1: be the kitchen table, the beach, the Mm -hmm. outside on the grass, um, your family room, or any room that you really live with these with your family or your kids. Mm -hmm and just kind of approaching family time in a very unique way where mm-hmm. if you wanted to spend 2 hours like you know my niece and my sister are going to have that conversation you could spend it and if you've got that 1 minute where you've got that one child who is like eh, i'm good and doesn't have the attention to me and then you've got that typical child who's like Mm-hmm. I need something to do. And yeah. you're the mom who's like, I need something for them to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's really what the, um, the book is about. It's called the art and the voice of autism. So Allie, one of Allie's gifts is Allie is an artist. And, um, I, I took the mu- um, pieces of art that she made and the different sayings that she has about life and musings and placed them into specific, um, seasons for instance in this one is called we're all spinning on the same ball mm-hmm. and it's a picture of people holding hands ally's okay. art and then it goes into each each um season has three or four different um writings so it goes into a writing me writing about us uh we're all spinning on the same ball And then a quote, which I use, what a world we share from Barney. Mm -hmm. And then an artistic expression. Here we have create the earth. We're doing some artwork just with ripping. A lot of the kids can't really cut very well, you know, and ripping is good. And it's also very satisfying to
0: a typical
1: kid where you're like, you just want me to rip this. You
0: know, <laughs> you mean I'm allowed? I'm allowed to tear yeah. this <laughs> up.
1: And then we'll have an artistic expression. We go through a journal prompt um, in some way, in some other sections of the book, an artistic expression where you're painting rocks, perhaps in the summer, um, satisfying the most distracted family members. To doing holiday gift lists for our for our favorite people, people who come into this house and help. Help me with Allie mm-hmm. to Allie's people who are out there in her world now. Um, her art teacher, her yoga teacher, her grandmother, her you know um, friends of mine who are just unbelievably supportive of my lifestyle and my calendar and <laughs> being able to keep up socially and in, in what I'm able yeah. to have and do. But um, being able to be fulfilled as a girlfriend. It's Mm -hmm. really important part of my life, Mm -hmm. you know? um, And there were times probably when I would say that I would, would have rather not would have rather, but the loneliness and the burden of it all would have probably said, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. How can I have that? How can I have, I don't want to say how can I have it all, but how can I have all that? I kind of went back to becoming a blank faith Mm -hmm. in the society to becoming a voice for Allie, a voice for myself, and a voice for all women, you know, to, and mothers and caregivers to take a nice look at how they're nurturing themselves. It gives something to the caregiver. The insights give to the caregiver expression, give to everyone. The recipe and the other activities are are ways that we can, you can just engage anybody, you know, but the, the insights really give, could give insight to you in your life. You don't have to be a family with special needs to, to use this book.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. I mean, so so many of these concepts that you're talking about um, could be so incredibly useful. I love that you're focusing on the family aspect of it and the book Mm -hmm. that you're just providing so many different, it's such a great variety of tools and ideas and topics and just ways of expressing and you really Mm -hmm. have taken the time to Think through practically in, on an everyday basis. And I think that's why I appreciate you've created this book versus, you know, any other book or any other website that you could go to. Um I think because of this book coming from your experience and your background and and the the knowledge that you've been able to develop you know over the years you're really taking a a holistic view at the family and just all the different ways through which communication and connection you know mm-hmm. can happen and it's so important to focus on taking care of yourself and your relationships and Learning how to be in the moment and adapting, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to what needs to happen. I think this is just something that is going to be so helpful. I mean, to the, to the the parent that was talking about, you know, how do I, you you know, communicate with twins? I mean, here you go, right here. I mean, it's, you get two of them, right? (laughs) For, for each twin or, you know, um, and then it was Candy earlier. She, the, the Facebook user who said that her, her son is autistic. It has been an interesting journey. So hi, Candy. Thanks for letting us know. (laughs) Um, I think it's just so incredibly powerful. And what a wonderful tool that you have created for families to use, because I think that's probably what has been a missing piece. And I'm sure you are well aware of that. So um, anybody who's interested, where do they go to? You said it's available for pre-order. Mm-hmm. Where do they go to pre-order? How do they get in, cut, in, in touch with you? All of those good things.
1: It will be available for pre-order midweek this week mm-hmm. um, at motherasana.com. And That's mm-hmm. our website. Yep. And that's where you can check us out. You can check on um, Allie living her best life um yeah. that you know going out in the world with her uh, coaches and um people that um you know we've invited to be part of our family to be with her and share our lives with her with them and um the products are on the website and um you can look for me you know to be doing these types of talks going forward and um trying to just expand, you know, bringing the book to life, I hope, Mm -hmm. is a goal um, by having places where we'll be able to give these activities to the younger individuals in a classroom or perhaps the older individuals in a social skills group of some sort, um, just to inspire connection with teachers, art teachers, especially, since we love... We love using art as a way mm-hmm. of communicating.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you um, are someone, maybe you're not thinking that you would need this book for yourself, but if you have a friend, mm-hmm. and like Gina was saying, you know, in the school system, if you would like to gift this, you know, to someone, uh, to a teacher friend in the school system, highly, highly recommend. This hour went by really fast. Really <laughs> I was so fast. I am so appreciative of you and the work that you're doing. And I I tell you what, Gina, bless you and your family. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I know it's been challenging and it's been a difficult road, but being a beacon of light, if you will, for other families and for other, you know, parents and specifically mothers who are just now beginning this journey, I think to be able to hear your story. And to be able to know that they are not alone is probably the most powerful gift that you can give anyone. So I I thank you for that. And I know there are others out there who thank you for that as well. And um, Are there any final thoughts or anything that you would like to say before we wrap up?
1: Just to the parents, to the mothers, to the caregivers, I just want to say, you know, just always remain open. There's so many instances when you, when you're sure you are the teacher, but you really need to be the student, give them a chance to guide you, show you the way a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think that's actually a lesson for, for, for all of us. All right. So uh, everyone have a great rest of your day, um, rest of your week, and uh, all of the information that we talked about today, as far as the website and how to pre-order the book, I will make sure that they are available in the show notes. So everyone take care and have a good one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review.